Welcome to Into the Garden with Leslie here on News Radio WINA, sponsored by Dos Amigos Landscaping. I'm Leslie Harris, and I'm happy to have you join us again. The goal of the show is to provide a fun and informative platform to learn about all parts of gardening. So here we are after a second pretty lovely week of almost spring, even though we're still in winter. It's kind of crazy. We're going to go through our plant of the week, which is the state tree of Virginia. I bet you can guess what that is. Then we're going to be chatting with Michelle Hayes-Silver and Robin Cherry about Historic Garden Week. Now, on last week's show, I had set up that we would be chatting with Kelly Norris, who is an author who wrote New Naturalism. And we will have him on. I actually have had him on in the magic of Zoom. I recorded that a while back. And so I just thought that Historic Garden Week was a little bit more topical. And so I put Michelle and Robin a little bit ahead of Kelly. I'm sure he would understand. And then lastly, we're going to go over the playlist. So that's how to play in your garden this week. And I'm going to talk about who you might listen to at the same time. Four weeks out from Historic Garden Week. And what did I do this week? I did I did actually some mulching. It's funny, there were, I guess there's some stat that in order to prepare for Historic Garden Week, garden owners spread something, I don't know, they estimated 50 million tons of, no, it wasn't that number, but a whole lot of mulch. Mulch is wonderful for four reasons. One, it suppresses weeds. Two, it keeps moisture in the soil, and we need that here in our hot summers. Three, it breaks down and feeds the soil. Don't ever buy that dyed stuff. Who knows what's breaking down into your soil? Get as natural a, a composition of mulch as you can, so it really does feed your soil as it breaks down. And the fourth one is that it looks awesome. So I am not doing it all over my yard because I have some wild bits, but I'm doing it in the neat bits. And I got a good workout this week, spreading it around to just the places that look more kind of controlled manicure type stuff. If you come to my garden the day it's on tour, you will see a lot of leaves used as mulch. I'll talk about that in another program because they're really wonderful and they're free. I'm beginning to fret about one part of my garden um, and I would love your, you know, sort of moral support on this. I lost two of the much maligned Leland cypress trees during one of those ice storms this winter. They were trying to sit in a bog, and so they shouldn't have been there anyway. I am going to replace them with hemlocks, um, who wouldn't want to sit in a bog. My landscaper, Dos Amigos, um, Matt Barry and I are sort of figuring out how to berm them up so they're not sitting in water. And below them, I'm going to put two river birches that will sit in water and suck up water and be very happy. But the trees aren't in yet. Four weeks to go. Fingers crossed that this really happens. Right, Matt? This is really going to happen, right? Yes, I'm sure it will. If not, it's a good story that there's a horrible quagmire for historic garden week. Not to worry. We're saying goodbye to the snowdrops. They didn't like these high temperatures. We're saying hello to more and more bulbs, such as daffodils and even the tips of tulips. I'm saying hello to my rabbits. Oh my gosh, they keep eating my tips of tulips, which is frustrating. We're also beginning to say hello to really swollen buds and even like even some early leaves fleshing out. I cannot wait for dogwoods. This is my favorite understory tree. It's a native to so much of the eastern part of the United States. It is the state tree of Virginia, our favorite commonwealth. It's also the state tree of Missouri, of North Carolina. Oh, and it's also Virginia's state flower. I did not know that. The common name dogwood comes from one colonial description of the fruit being edible, but not fit for a dog, you, which I thought was a pretty good story. I wonder if it's true. Um, you may be familiar with the Cornus Cusa, which is the, um, the one from Asia. So I, you know, that's a gorgeous plant too. If you have that in your yard, don't go chopping it down because it's not a native, but do realize that those fruits, which look kind of like 
fat round raspberries are actually edible. They are not just fit for a dog. They're kind of good. So many different types of dogwoods. I love the red twig dogwoods, which are more shrubby, and the yellow twig dogwoods. Those are both natives. So those aren't trees. Those are shrubs, and they have that amazing bark in winter. And there's a cute little one that grows along the ground called the Cornus canadensis. I don't think we can grow it down here. I think it's too warm, but it grows in Canada and Maine. It's just, it's just the be most beautiful ground cover. That's our plant of the week, the Cornus florida or the dogwood. And they, they are great for understory. They have been bred to sort of sit in full sun, but they're wonderful if you have woods to just put them at the edge of your woods and watch them. The, the leaves are great. The flowers or actually literally bracts, which, which bloom. And then they have great fall color. They are amazing. So this is Into the Garden with Leslie on News Radio WINA, kindly delivered by Dos Amigos Landscaping, the two, two of the three tri-chairs of the local Historic Garden Week tour. Welcome back to Into the Garden with Leslie, broadcasting on News Radio WINA. I'm Leslie Harris, and we're talking with Robin Cherry and Michelle Hayes Silver about Historic Garden Week, which is happening so exciting. They are chairing the event for our area this year. So thank you so much for coming on, Michelle and Robin. Thank you for having us. Yeah, we're glad to promote this wonderful event. So Michelle, before we get started on this year's event, give us some history of the entire event, because it's a big, long, historical thing. It is. This is our 88th year, and um, Garden Club of Virginia just turned 100. So as you can imagine, back in the 20s, women were just getting the vote, and they were looking to be involved in their community in a way that they could. And one way was the Garden Club um, to affect change in the landscape. So in 1927, a group of them had a flower show that raised $7,000, which was a huge amount of money at the time. And they, they, they used that to support some of Thomas Jefferson's old trees at Monticello. A few years later, they were writing notes, personal notes to friends and family and relatives all over the country to make a pilgrimage to Virginia the last week in April for 11 days at the time, um, a little longer than what we do now, to come and tour historic homes and gardens. And that's really how it began in a very organic, natural way. And it's now the longest home, home and garden tour in existence in the United States. That's fantastic. So Robin, obviously everything pivoted with the pandemic. What happened to Historic Garden Week? Leslie, as you know, last year, um, Historic Garden Week 2020 was canceled. Um, so this year, Garden Club of Virginia proceeded to make plans every step of the way, keeping um, in mind COVID protocols and guidelines to make sure we have 3,500 club members and everybody wanted to make sure our club members were going to be safe, were to be open. And some years we have 26,000 visitors. So we had to be very concerned about the safety portion of it. So they proceeded very cautiously and carefully. And we're pleased to say with the CDC recommendations and the state guidelines, um, we will be open again. It's only last year's cancellation was the only time. It was the second time in the history of the event that it was canceled. The other time was in World War, World War II. Oh, my goodness. That's that's an amazing piece of trivia. So how will this event differ from other, you know, from other years, Michelle? Well, this year, um, we are going to have to limit tickets. We normally sell thousands of tickets. This year, we'll only be selling 600. We are only going to be um, having the event on one day rather than, than three days. 
the tickets will be sold, they're time tickets, so we can spread people out in the garden with the morning shift uh, uh, for 300 people and 300 people in the afternoon. So that's a huge change. We're also doing small gardens um, in town, which is, it gave us the opportunity to really showcase gardeners garden and gardens um, for the first time recent years. That's great because, um, yeah, I, nobody would want to see the inside of my house <laughs> <laughs> unless they really have a penchant for old lacrosse prints. But um, anyway, so Robin, let's hone in on this year's event and um, what's it, what's it going to be like? Um, well, can I just go back to a little bit about what Michelle was saying? Yeah, yeah. In that tickets are only going to be available online, as you mentioned at the very beginning. And the other big difference is that the COVID protocols, as I mentioned briefly before, will be strict, will be strictly enforced. So we just want to make sure all our visitors are very much aware of that. And the a website is vagardenweek.org for any last minute um, updates. Okay, fantastic. And people can go to that um, to, to buy their tickets like as soon as they hear this radio show, right? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> Um, all right. This is Into the Garden with Leslie on News Radio WINA. And I'd like to remind listeners that this show is made possible by Dos Amigos Landscaping. We're talking with Michelle Hayes Silver and Robin Cherry about Historic Garden Week. And you can find out more on this topic by going online and, and getting your ticket. Robin, how much preparation goes into this event? Well, there are this year, there are three local clubs that are part of Garden Club of Virginia. And this each year, one of those clubs takes the lead. And this year, it's the Charlottesville Garden Club take, taking the lead. Having said that, all three clubs actively participate. And um, as luck would have it, we have one garden. Each club has one garden representative. So it really is a gardener's garden tour. That's fantastic. Yeah, so I'm in the Abmall Garden Club. And then, um, let's see, the other two, which we, and we won't mention names, each are represented by either Rivanna or Charlottesville. That's fantastic. Yes. Um, well, Leslie, I was going to ask you how much preparation have you had to do as a homeowner? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was so thrilled when Robin asked me, um, she came to sit at the fire pit before we even needed to do fire pits, right, Robin? Um, <laughs> we've been using that fire pit so much. Um, so... Um, you know, she had a, my garden is not the beauteous garden of the world, but it is interesting. And so I was so thrilled to be asked. And luckily enough, I was able to look at my garden critically in the last weekend of April in 2020, when other than doing my, you know, my running my little business, there wasn't much else to do. And so I was like, wow, these plants look great. Let's, let's divide those or let's get more of those. And these plants, not so much. And, and, and you can sort of see what's coming and going. So I did a lot of my preparation last April, when otherwise all I was doing was working in other people's gardens. And then um, I did get handrails because um, some of my older friends don't, and my mother and my mother-in-law don't love my stairs without handrails. So I got them. They're very rustic, but, and I hope they don't give you splinters. And then, um, yeah, just trying to make it look good, a lot neater than my standards would hold because I know that uh, it's a high standard. So I'm excited. And Michelle, how are the, how are the ticket sales going? You know, we, um, they're all online and we are about halfway sold. Um, so if you want to come, you better get your tickets. Yeah. I, we, I doubt we will be selling them the day of the event. Okay. Um, you think they'll be all gone by then? I think they will, but follow our um, social websites. Okay. Social media websites. We'll keep- and those books that come out that are everybody's clamoring for, they'll come soon? You'll see them? Yeah. They're going to drop ship um, next week. Okay. All right. I can't wait. And so, Robin, tell us about where the ticket money goes. 
Because that's a lot of ticket money. It is a lot of ticket money. And um, it goes to support the mission, the missions of the Garden Club of Virginia. But can I want to backpack, backtrack just a minute and talk about a little bit of the economic impact for the state yeah. hosting this event, weekly event. The visitor spending is $3.9 million. Restoration State Parks received $1.1 million. And the total economic impact since 1968 is $518 million brought into the state of Virginia. Wow. So where does the, the ticket money goes that we raised from selling the tickets goes to um, restoration to the 39 sites that the Garden Club of Virginia helps to restore. The two local ones are Monticello and UVA Pavilion Gardens. It goes to the state parks. Um, this Michelle mentioned earlier that this was is GCB's centennial, and GCB made a five-year commitment of donating five hundred thousand dollars grant to Virginia State Parks. So money has been funneled into that as well. It also we they use the money to fund fellowships. So there's a conservation and environmental studies fellowship. And then there are two graduate level students that receive fellowship money to um, pursue their interests. Wow, really, really, you know, wonderful causes that it goes to. Um, and, and it's all run by volunteers. How many? Statewide, about 3,500. Uh, I'm sorry, not that many. There are 42, 42 garden clubs um, and thousands. But it said on that sheet, wait, that you gave me a cheat sheet that did say 3,500. That's true. <laughs> Don't sell yourself short here. <laughs> You're commandeering all kinds of people. I mean, just for the Charlottesville event, well, I guess you call it the Albemarle event, although ironically, I think all three gardens are actually within the city confines. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, that's yes, kind of that fun. Is, that is right. ironic. Yeah. Um, and so just there, I mean, I know that I'll, I, I'm, I'm going to have a hostess-rich environment in mine because I do have some paths and we need ladies to say, you know, go this way and not that way so that everybody can feel comfortable. So lots of, lots of wonderful volunteers. Um, this is Into the Garden with Leslie, and we're talking on News Radio WINA. This show is sponsored by Dos Amigos Landscaping, and our topic today is the wonderful Historic Garden Week. And now we're going to talk about the individual gardens. So, um, again, we don't want to. I'm I'm kind of out there, you know. Let's just say it. Leslie Harris's garden is on Historic Garden Week this this year, and my address is out there. I run a business, but we want to respect the privacy of the other owners. So let's talk about the other two gardens. Who wants to go first? I'd be happy to talk about, um, there's a garden that's on Park Street that you would think you were just going into a little city garden. You walk through the gates and there are specimen trees that are just showstoppers. Um, if you have never seen a dove tree in bloom, I, there was one in Warrington a few years ago. I'd never seen this. It's a, a tree from China and it looks as though somebody has put white silk handkerchiefs all over the tree and they blow in the wind and it's fantastic. She, there's a huge... Uh, dove tree there. She's got. Um, we, will it be? Will it be? Um, will it? The, will we see the hankies right that week? Will, when does it bloom? Pro, it, 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 it has been in bloom. They have been in bloom during Garden Week before. So okay, I think so cross your fingers. Yeah, and it does seem to bloom every year for her. They're kind of finicky trees. I've managed to kill one on my yard, but um, <laughs> there is also a, an elm tree, an American elm that has survived Dutch elm disease. It is enormous in her backyard wow and i mean all of this uh, dawn redwood that's 
just giant. It grows six feet a year. They, they purchased it on trips. And throughout the garden, the couple has interesting statuary and items as well as a pagode, a, a um, pavilion. Um, there's a, lots of beautiful plantings of flowers as well as these amazing trees. So it's there's something for everyone. Uh. And I think Robin was going to share some information about another gem of a garden we have on tour. Can yeah, tell us, tour? Robin. Well, the next garden is um, a garden um, in the Meadowbrook area, and the garden is actually one of the other co-chair, tri-chairs with us. Um, so there are three chairs this year, and she's also opening her garden. And her garden, her style of her house is the Nantucket Gray Shingle House, mm -hmm. and the front is formal gardens loaded with loaded with tulips and daffodils and she's got camellias deciduous azaleas spring bulbs of irises um you name it it's really it's more it's much more formal and um very very colorful you walk around to the her backyard and her backyard has a japanese influence um oh she's got all oh, so many of those japanese maples right the specimens there's 22 varieties or, or, or so, maybe more. Wow. And that third garden, what do we think of that third garden? <laughs> <laughs> we think it's wonderful. <laughs> well, it's it's varied and it's interesting. So um, listeners, this is my garden and I, because I run a business, I have the mullet garden. So it's business in the front and party in the back. And um, I do, yeah, it's, it's kind of formal and neat in the front. And then I do have some interesting bits in the back. But, you know, besides garden, you'll actually see some conservation. I, I'm so proud of my compost piles. Can I just tell you? I have 10 of them. And also the water that I collect off of the gutter and off of Lewis Mountain. I, I live at the base of Lewis Mountain. So um, plus plenty of, you know, I threw in plenty of bulbs for everybody's entertainment. And I do have some beautiful large trees, probably not as large as what you just talked about on the Park Street one, but a, a tulip poplar that is to be reckoned with. So that's really fun. Um, so I just am so excited that everybody's going to come and that it's all happening and that you all are working very hard to organize this. I think you want to talk about the sponsors, right? We do. I just wanted to thank all our sponsors, J.W. Townsend, you, Leslie. Well, not um, me, South but LH, LH Gardens. Irrigation, uh, Virginia National Bank, Ben Yeris, Virginia Tent Realm, and the shops at Stonefield. Okay, great. And it's not me personally. It's my little business, LH business. Gardens. Yes. yes, yes. Excuse me. <laughs> oh, that, that's all right. Um, okay, so thank you so much for coming on. You two are very busy ladies, and I know it's going to be a wonderful event. This is Into the Garden with Leslie on News Radio WINA, brought to you by Dos Amigos Landscaping. And next, we'll be going over the playlist featuring American singer songwriter Rusty Gear and also what to do in your garden right now. We do the playlist because it's always a great time to play in your garden. Welcome back to Into the Garden with Leslie on News Radio WINA, sponsored by Dos Amigos Landscaping. That was a great interview, and I'm excited that this year's Historic Garden Week will be more about gardens than it will about mansions. <laughs> I just think that's more wonderful for the gardeners who come on these tours. I mean, the inside of houses are lovely, but it's it can feel like a house tour sometimes, and this year it's a real garden tour. I had a question this week from a listener about mulch, and we've talked about the wonderful things about mulch. The question was, do you have to mulch right now? And are there any places in your garden not to mulch? So the answer to the first one is no, you don't, but it's a great time to mulch, that really any time is a good time to mulch. I tend to, on years when I don't have a garden tour coming to my house, I tend to mulch in early summer. That way, 
I've had such a busy spring with my little business and my plants are up. So it's a bit more time consuming because I have to go around each plant. And yet it's kind of fun because I reintroduce myself to my garden, what's growing and what's growing well. Uh, fall is a great time to, to mulch and the dead of winter is a fine time to mulch. I've heard people say that, oh, when that might lock in the cold in the soil. Yeah, we live in Virginia, so I'm just going to dispute that, okay? Are there any places not to mulch? Yes, yes. Okay, two perennials that don't like mulch that you might like to grow are the German irises, whose corms like to sit out and have a sun bath all, all summer. So don't mulch those. They can get all mealy and gross and kind of disintegrate with moisture. You, do, you don't want to conserve moisture on those. And the other one is peonies. They like to be, their eyes like to be about an inch below the soil level and they don't, and they, they just don't like mulch. And the worst thing that you can do with mulch is to put it around any woody, especially trees. Trees need air at their roots in addition to water. So do not mulch up your trees. You've heard of something called a mulch volcano, possibly, where landscapers who are doing their best do a good job, but just might not know this, um, pile up mulch around a tree. Well, actually, it doesn't really matter if it's a volcano, as long as the, the flare of the bottom of the trunk is exposed. What we really don't want is a mulch mountain where the bottom of the tree is covered by mulch. Very bad for the tree. And then, of course, I would strongly suggest that you don't mulch everywhere. If you have a good leaf litter in your yard, that you leave that to be the mulch, because that also is great habitat for insects. So what am I doing in my garden this week? Let's see. We talked about dogwoods as our plant of the week. How about going out and having a look at your dogwoods if you have some, your neighbors if you have permission, and cutting off a few low branches to bring into your house to force. You can do that with any spring flowering tree or shrub. They'll get themselves introduced to the heat system in your house and say, oh, this must really be spring. And um, just put them in some uh, kind of warm water actually to um, to get them going. You don't have to smash their stems or anything like that. Just keep the water clean and see if you can force a few a few blooms inside of your house. The other thing I'm doing is I'm I've also mentioned bringing your house plants out. We are getting really warm temperatures at night, and it is time to start bringing them out. Just keep an eye on the weather reports, and I think that the best thing to do is to bring them out and keep them close to the house for two reasons. One, your house will keep them a little bit warmer than out, out in the garden where they might be. And number two, if they've been inside all winter, they're not used to wind. They're not literally, they're not used to getting moved around. So nestled up next to your house is a good first step. And if you get caught out with some low temperatures coming, get out a beach blanket and you can just keep them warm for that one night and hopefully they'll be fine. So what to listen to in the garden? Nature could always be your first choice. But here's another musical artist that, that you might not have heard of. His name is Rusty Gear, and his song, Forgiveness After All, is what I chose to be the introduction to this radio show. I love it. His last album is called What We Believe, and it's done really well on the charts. That one and his penultimate album called High Gear is getting a lot of radio play. I would call his type of music Americana Country. They're great vocals. He's assembled some really good musicians to help him. He's the writer. And give a listen, Rusty Gear, and you can find his music on Spotify, Amazon. You can listen to samples on the internet. And his website is rustygearmusic.com. He's not local, but he's new, and I think he's getting better with every album. My two favorites are on this last album, again, called What We Believe. And of course, the one that I chose for this radio show, Forgiveness After All. And also my other favorite is Home is Where the Heart Aches. So this was fun. If you have any questions or comments or corrections, please reach out 
on Instagram at Leslie Harris LH or email me at lharris at lhgardens.com. I want to thank our sponsors, Dos Amigos Landscaping. I named this show Into the Garden with Leslie because I am really into my garden and I want to get you into yours. See you next week. Bye.